So we're going to start out with a question. And uh, you can raise your hand if you, if you agree with this. Do you believe that in relationships, so any sort of relationship, whether it's a, a married couple or dating, uh, friends, parent-child, any relationship, do you believe that a loving relationship has expectations attached? Anybody agree with that? All right, quite a few people agree with that. Um, and that's, that's what I would say as well. In every relationship, there is expectations. With love, there is expectations. Now, oftentimes, the problem is that we have unhealthy expectations. Uh, we expect our friend or our spouse to be perfect. We expect them to be able to read our minds. I shouldn't have to tell you what's wrong. You should just know. You're the one who did this. <laughs> we expect them maybe to always say yes. You know, if, if I'm having a rough time or I've got myself into a bad situation, well, you should immediately want to say yes to come and help me. And sometimes we always expect people to maybe put us first, even before themselves or their own well-being. There's often times in relationships these unhealthy expectations. But there's also healthy expectations. And over the last two years, I know quite a few times, I've talked about my favorite books, which are um, Changes That Heal and the, books bound, the book Boundaries, both by Drs. Henry Cloud and Townsend. Um, but the healthy expectations are that, you know, we, we should be able to say no. You know, we, we don't have to do everything somebody wants us to do. Our relationships shouldn't be one-sided. They should be kind of on an equal ground, right? It shouldn't be one person always giving and the other always taking. And when a relationship becomes unhealthy, when one person starts to drain you, we can say we're done with this relationship. This isn't healthy. I, I can't be in this relationship anymore. And again, that goes for marriages. Well, marriages, guess what? You're stuck. I'm sorry. Get counseling. All right? This is just word of God stuff. All right? Um, but when we're dating, all right? This is a big deal when we're dating. If you're dating and you find yourself in an unhealthy relationship, break up with the person. If you have a friendship with somebody and it is draining you, it is one-sided, you've got to kind of put some distance sometimes between you and that other person. Years ago, I had a, a student who was dating um, someone, and uh, she told me that her boyfriend just didn't really listen to her, didn't seem to care about seeing her as much as she cared about seeing him, and it just more and more was seeming like a one-sided relationship. And uh, I was very proud. She told me all this after everything had happened, but I was very proud of her because she recognized that there were issues, that this, not, the other person wasn't a bad person, it just wasn't a good match. Their, their expectations were different. And she just recognized that this wasn't a good relationship for her to be in. 
and she ended the relationship. And things are much, much better for her now. Again, not because that was a bad person, but because there were expectations. There were expectations that if I am going to pour into this relationship, if I am going to pour into you, then I expect that you are going to have the same feelings about me and pour into me as well. And so we, most of us here seem to agree that there are expectations in relationships. And I'm going to assume that there are more who didn't raise their hand who still agree that, yes, in a healthy relationship, there's expectations. And yet today, when we talk about our relationship with God, we often don't recognize that there are the same expectations. Today we hear about how God just loves and how we need to just love, right? Love God, love others, it's so simple, right? We have the bumper stickers that we're getting passed around here. And that's absolutely true. It is so simple, love God and love others, as long as we understand what it means to love. With love, there are some expectations. I, um, I love my son, Oh, I love both of my sons. Well, they're because they're both sitting here. I have to, no, I'm just kidding. I love both of my sons. My youngest son is, as my daughter would call it, a pain in the ear. And I'm not going to correct her on that. She is right. Pain in the ear is how we will talk about it for as long as we are able. But as much as I love the little one, He is the one out of my three kids that gets into everything. My older two, I never had to worry. You know, cupboards, drawers, they they pretty much left stuff alone. They, they They were very good about that. You turn your head for two seconds and he is into something he should not be into. I love him. I also discipline him. Because you cannot get into some of these things. It is not safe for you to get into some of the drawers you're trying to get into. There is an expectation with love. When we love without expectation, we are enabling people. If I allow somebody who I love continue to live a life or do things that they shouldn't be doing that's harmful for them, am I really loving them or am I enabling them? In love, there are expectations. So is it really so hard to believe that God has expectations for us if we are in relationship with him? Is it really that hard to believe that God has expectations for us if we are in relationship with him? We're going to read a little bit about this today, and we're going to see what the Word of God has to say. So if you would open up with me to Isaiah 5, we're going to read verses uh, 1 through 7. And as you're looking that up, I'm going to apologize. Today, I'm going to go through several passages. Pastor Joe, a few weeks ago when he was here during my sermon, he said, one suggestion I have for you is, when you are 
reading passages, maybe put them up on the screen ahead of time so people can find them ahead of time because I kind of like to do some rapid-fire passage reading. And I was going to do that last night. I told Casey I was going to get her that list, and I failed. (laughs) So um, in a little bit, we will go through some passages fairly quickly. And next time, I promise I will try to make sure that Um, because I know some of you like to follow in the passages, and I love that. I'll try to make sure that I have those up on the screen so you'll know all the passages that we're going to read that day. But for now, Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. We thank you that you have revealed to us how we ought to live, that you have revealed to us the expectations. We don't have to try to read your mind, Lord, to know what you desire of us, to know what you expect of us. Just as you had expectations in this vineyard, Father, you have expectations of us. Just as you expected good fruit in this vineyard, you expect good fruit in us. And Father, we read your word and we know, we know the finish, we know the consequences of our decisions, of our actions. We know that when we bear good fruits, you will bless us. We know that when we don't, you will not. Father, today speak to us through your word that we will know how to bear good fruit, that we will be drawn closer to you, Lord, and that we will look more like your son, Jesus. Reveal yourself today through your word. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to do a quick overview of this passage and what's going on here. So it begins with a love song, and it talks about how God created this perfect little field to make his vineyard in and he um, did everything he could and he expected it to yield grapes. But it didn't, right? It it bore bad fruit. Or actually the word used in here is um, sometimes uh, translated as stinkberries. It produced stinkberries. Look, nobody wants to be a stinkberry, all right? Let's bear good fruit. Nobody wants to be a stinkberry. 
After that, when his expectations are not met, when his people, and later on he says, look, this vineyard means you, you are my vineyard. The people of Israel are my vineyard. So when his people were not bearing good fruit, what does he say is going to happen? He's going to tear down the walls. They're going to be trampled, and they will be. They will be taken away into exile. Because at the end, he says he expected justice, but all he saw was bloodshed. He expected righteousness, but all he heard was a cry. If you desire to go deeper into the word of God, I encourage you to spend some time on that very last sentence. He expected justice but saw bloodshed, righteousness but heard a cry. It's a play on words in there and I would sit here and I would tell you all about it but I haven't got to the bottom of it yet so I will let you know maybe when I know. But I know it's definitely going to be worth looking into that a little bit more but it's almost the same word for justice as for bloodshed and almost the same word for righteousness as for Christ. So there's some interesting wordplay being used. So that's kind of a quick overview of the whole passage. But going a little bit deeper into the passage, let's start out, we're going to talk about the vineyard. So what is the vineyard? And, And we know he said what the vineyard was. The vineyard was his people. But the very beginning of this passage about the vineyard, it's a love song. He says, I'm singing to you a love song. Now the first part of verse 1 and verse 2 are the actual love song portion. And it's not exactly what we would consider a love song today, right? Didn't sound real catchy of a tune. It didn't sound real, really like a love song at all. But to be honest with you, I did a little research, very little, but a little bit of research on love songs that we know. So I looked up, what are the 20 greatest love songs of all time? They're not much better. (laughs) They're actually pretty bad love songs. The number one love song of all time is Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Well, actually, I think it's Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You that Whitney Houston made really famous. I Will Always Love You. Do you know what that love song is about? if you just listen to the title, I'm always going to love you. That song is about her leaving her loved one, but she's, I'm always going to love you, but I'm not sticking around to show you said love. It's a pretty horrible love song. Don't play that at your wedding. That's that's not good. Number 12 on the list was Cyndi Lauper's Time After Time, which shocked me as, as well. That it, was even, that it even made the list as a love song. But again, it's another song about her leaving. You know, I, I'm always going to have these memories. I'm always going to look back and care about you. That's not a love song. That's a horrible love song. But that's what our love songs are about today. <clears throat> our love songs are about leaving or our love songs are about, you know, how we don't want to be hurt. And I'm not talking about Hathaway's what is love, please don't hurt me, love song. And if you're my age, you know what that is. If you're not, ask your parents or somebody. People today write the most dysfunctional love songs. But this, what God is writing to his people, this is a legit love song. 
he's talking about how much he loves his people. You see, this is a love song in the same vein as Brian Adams' Everything I Do, I Do It For You, which did not make the top 20 list. That's a love song, right? I would die for you. I would walk the wire for you. I don't know what the wire is, but he will walk it for the person he loves. And then he gets passionate again. Oh, yeah, I would die for you again. But throughout that song, he talks about how much he would sacrifice for his love, how much their love was worth fighting for. And I can't sing the song without thinking of uh, the Robin Hood movie and him flying up into the, the castle for her. But that's what a real love song is about. And that's what this love song is about. It's about God loved his people so much that he did all these things for them. He chose fertile ground to plant them in. He chose the promised land from all the area of the earth. He chose this plot of ground to put them in a land of milk and honey. He chose the perfect spot for his vineyard. He dug it up. He created a foundation of sorts for them. He cleared it of stones. He planted it with choice vines. He didn't go to Walmart and get the cheap plants. He went to Peterson's and got the really expensive plants for this vineyard. And that's, that's not an insult at Peterson's like they're overpriced or anything. That's their good products. I like Peterson's. Um, it is an insult about Walmart, so you can do with that what you want. But then he built a tower, and he built a wine press, so everything was right there for his people. Today, I was reading one of the commentaries that said today they still have these towers in the middle of these fields where the families and the workers will sleep so that they can also watch over their fields. He built these towers for his people, protection for his people. And that wine press was to produce everything that they would need. He did everything he could for his people. What more was there that he could do? Today, the church is God's vineyard. We are God's plants. In Matthew 13, 3 through 8, Jesus shares a parable in verse 23 as well. And he talks about the farmer who went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Jesus goes on to explain this parable to his disciples. And he said, the seed that fell on the good soil refers to somebody who hears the word and understands it. That is the one, that person is the one who will produce a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. <clears throat> we 
Our heart is the good soil. God chose you. God prepared your heart to receive the message. God got rid of the stones. He built a foundation in you. God is doing this work. And he planted choice vines so that you could be his vineyard. The choice vines in the Old Testament are different from the choice vine that we have today. Because today we have the vine, Jesus Christ. In a little bit, we're going to read John 15. I'll talk a little bit more about that. But God gave us the vine for today. And he provided the vineyard with everything that was needed. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God has done everything he can for you. What more can he do? So what are we going to do? What is our response as the bride of Christ, as his church that he loves? We ought to be bearing good fruit. And if I don't sound like a broken record right now, then you haven't been listening for the last year because we have talked about bearing fruit a lot. We have talked about what that looks like, what it is. So what are we bearing? As individuals, what type of fruit are you bearing? Good fruit or bad fruit? What does, talking practically, what does good fruit look like in our lives? What does good fruit look like in our church? We know the fruit of the Spirit, right? That's what we have talked about several times. If we are in Christ and he is in us, we will bear good fruit. We will bear the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We will bear all that fruit. Remember several, a couple months ago, we had a bunch of grapes up here, and we talked about that is the fruit that we bear. But what does that look like practically for us to bear some of these fruit in love as individuals and as a church are we loving the lost the broken the hurting are we loving the way Christ has called us to love now remember not without some expectation but loving nonetheless This church, if we are loving the hurt and the broken, should be like a hospital. And we should be inviting people in who need to hear this message, who need to hear the good news that God loves them. Peace as a fruit. What does it look like for us as individuals and us as a church to show the fruit of peace in our lives? during difficult times, do we have the peace that comes from knowing God? Or are we 
stressed and anxious all the time, afraid of what is to come. I just had a, a friend pass away this weekend. And it was somebody I'd got to go visit with a few times in the last couple weeks. This man had the peace of God. And his prayer request for me was that I would pray that he would meet Jesus soon. He didn't want to drag it out. He was ready to go home. He had a peace that comes from knowing Christ. Patience. <clears throat> Patience. Are we moving in God's timing and planning, or are we trusting our own plans? I love the passage where Jesus says, don't say that tomorrow you will do this or that for next week or whatever, for you do not even know what's going to happen today. Are we being patient and waiting on God's timing, listening for his leading and faithfulness? Last week, Pastor Joe talked about orthodoxy and orthopraxy. That is another aspect of good fruit. Are we being faithful to the word of God? Do we have an orthodox understanding of what this word says, what his word says, and are we living that in our lives? Are we being faithful to the word of God? Or have we walked away from this, deciding to make our own path, our own truths? And then, of course, self-control. Are we seeking God with our whole hearts? Are we allowing God to work in our lives and change us? Because we can have self-control for so long. I can go without drinking a soda for so long. I can white-knuckle it for so long before it's, I want a soda. <clears throat> but if I allow God to work in me, allow God to change me, any temptation that I may struggle with, God will take those away. That is how we gain self-control, allowing him to change our lives. Those are a few of the fruit and what it would look like in our individual lives and as a church. But another way I think that we have to ask, are we bearing good fruit, is are we as a church worshiping God or are we worshiping a pastor? Are we worshiping programs? Are we worshiping our history or our traditions. You see, in Israel, they were worshiping other gods. We talked about this a few weeks ago with Hosea, and I think a few weeks before that as well, how we often worship the idol of self. We're not always worshiping God. And sometimes we like to follow around a pastor. We're not called to follow a pastor, we're called to follow God. And it doesn't matter who is standing in this, on this altar giving a message. What matters is that we are worshiping the God that the person up here loves and worships. Paul tells us some of you, were, some of you are saying, I follow Apollo. Some say, I follow Peter. Paul says, I follow Jesus. Our God is who we need to be worshiping here. 
And you know what? The carpet of this place doesn't matter. What this place looks like doesn't matter. The traditions, the programs that we have done year after year after year, if they stop being useful for growing God's kingdom, they don't matter. Are we worshiping those things or are we worshiping God in his vineyard? Willing to change as he calls us to change. In Isaiah's time, God the Father knew that the Israelites would never be able to keep his commands. On their own, they couldn't live the way they were called to live. He gave them good land. He cleared the rocks. He planted the vines. He built the infrastructure needed to succeed, but they bear no fruit because they cannot do it on their own. Today, in God's vineyard, we have Jesus. We have the new vine sent by the Father. John 15 talks about this where Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in you as I also remain in you. No branch can bear good fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, So I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. We are not the vines in God's vineyard anymore. Jesus Christ is the vine. We are the branches. And as long as we remain in him, we will bear good fruit. And when we are in that relationship with Jesus, seeking and following his commands, that is when we bear good fruit. No longer will we be stink berries. The quality of the fruit we bear will determine then the profit that we yield. Because here's the reality, friends. There's consequences. All throughout the scriptures, God shares rewards and consequences. When we are in him, good things happen. When his people were following his commands and his will and his plans, good things happened. They prospered and they grew. When they walked away from him, that's when bad things started to happen. 
that's when they found themselves distant from God. I don't know about you. I don't know about your faith walk. But I know that when I am spending time with God in his word, in prayer, I sense his presence. And I'm not saying that everything in my life then goes perfectly. Sometimes bad things still happen. But I always sense him with me. That is the reward of remaining in the vine. Don't allow yourself to be like one of those vines that are going to be thrown away. Because God has expectations for his church. And I want you to think about this, about our church and about any church. If he walked into the church today, if he sat down and talked with us today, would he be pleased with the fruit that he found? That's our takeaway for today. But last night as I was praying, I thought, I am proud of what is happening in our church. I am proud of what you guys are doing in our church. For the last several weeks that I have been up here, we've had somebody come up and share the work that God is doing in their lives. I think God is bearing some great fruit here. But I also think just like that, we could get complacent and comfortable. And it can very easily turn. And I also think that there's more that we could be doing if each one of us sought the gifts that God has given us and began to put them into practice here, began using them here in this church and using them in the community to build his kingdom, how much more could we do? How much more fruit could we bear? So take that with you today. Always asking yourselves, are we living up to the expectations in the word of God. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. And Lord, sometimes it's hard to hear that you actually have expectations for us, that there's actually stuff you're calling us to do, there's actually a path you're calling us to follow, a way you are calling us to live. And Lord, we don't ever want to get legalistic about it because we know that you love us and we know that you understand those times when we do fail, when we do fall. And we know that First John says that when we fall, and we will fall, we will fail, that we have one who mediates with you for us, your son Jesus Christ, who is our advocate. We know that when we fail, we can always turn back to you We are never too far gone. We can always ask and you will always forgive. Father, help us to remember that balance between living up to what you've called us to be but also remembering that when we fail, we have hope. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.